Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Athletic Hockey Show Prospect Series. Hey everybody, Max Boltman here alongside Corey Prunman and Chris Peters of Flow Hockey. Back with another episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series. Today we are talking World Juniors. Corey just got back from Team USA's camp. I bumped into him for several minutes there. Uh, and we got some Team Canada. We got Team Canada's final roster to talk about, plus a pretty good mailbag today. So I want to dive right in, guys, with Team USA's camp, uh, partly because it's the one that uh, I attended, so it's easy for me. Uh, but we still don't have the final roster here. As we record this on, on Thursday morning, we could have a few more cuts uh, as of the time this airs. Uh, but the big news, I think, coming out of, of uh, Wednesday night is that Will Smith, uh, one of the top draft eligibles, probably the tra- top draft eligible for the United States, uh, is not going to be on this roster, Corey. He, he missed uh, the selection camp uh, with an illness. Uh, c- correct. He was there during the first day of the camp and then missed the, the, the next two days uh, leading into his cut. Um, I, I think Chris could probably talk about this a little bit more intelligently, but I believe he had heard he was on the bubble going into camp. You know, there was a, probably a roster battle there with, say, like a guy like a Jackson Blake, um, who I who I we saw in the rotation on the power play there when I, when we were at the camp. Um, and I think Smith's bubble status combined with the fact that he got sick, and I think USA not not wanting uh, a significant illness spreading throughout the team uh, was were factors that led to the cut. Um, Chris, what did you think of that one? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that. I think there was a lot of, uh, if, if he never got sick, I think he would have been in the camp longer. Um, you know, I think he would have been, I don't think he would have been one of the first cuts. Um, you know, he's, he's just such a dynamic player and they, they have good skill players on this team, but I, I mean, he's, he brings an element that, you know, I thought they would be useful, but, um, they've had bad experiences in the past with, with players, you know, kind of getting sick and then it's kind of spreads through the team and then you, you got problems. Like that's the, the crazy thing about the world juniors is that, you know, we've had, we've, we've had these issues before. Like I remember Sweden and, and Vancouver had, had a flu running through their team. Um, and, and it really can impact everything. So I, I do think that this was some risk mitigation on top of, you know, the fact that they felt like if he wasn't going to be part of their top six, that he might not be part of the team. Um, I always think, you know, 
that 13th forward is such a valuable spot because it gives you a, a guy that you can plug into a lot of different places. And there's differing philosophies about how to use that spot. Um, I personally think that it, it should be, you know, somebody that can score um, and, and Will Smith can score. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I'll be interested to see kind of how that shakes out now. But I, I think had he not gotten sick, I think we would have seen him in the camp longer to give him a more of a chance because I know there's a lot of belief in him. Um, but again, you know, it's, it's, it's hard enough to make it as an underager. It's really hard when, when you can't even get on the ice really. Um, you know, so, uh, unfortunate for, for him, unfortunate for us that wanted to see, you know, one of the top draft eligibles in this tournament. Um, but you know, that's, that's the way it goes. And yeah, it's, it's, it sounds like, uh, you know, basically the, the illness was a factor. It wasn't the only factor, but, um, that's why he's not there. Um, one thing that's going to be really interesting with this year's roster um, for not just USA, but for all teams, is uh, one is the roster going back from twenty five to twenty three, and two, I had I had heard from a, from a couple of the federations that they're going to allow even if you register the full twenty three players to your team on Boxing Day, if somebody gets hurt, you're going to be able to allowed to substitute that player out and puts a new player into your twenty three. So if there is you know, say a Chaz Lucius is not able to go uh, in the tournament, then it creates maybe a dynamic where a skilled player could come back into the lineup that you cut, whether it is Smith or, or somebody else. Ed Lucius' status, uh, he went from no contact, no drills when we were there to no contact jersey and participating in some drills, some some line rushes. Um and he looks like one of the most skilled players in their camp, so they need him. But but his status, as he is currently injured, is something significant to monitor going forward over the next few weeks. If if Smith isn't there, and we think he's the top draft eligible from Team USA, uh, what does that do for the odds of, of us having a 2023 eligible to watch on this roster? Obviously, Ryan Leonard and Charlie Stramler at the camp. What do you think, Corey? Are either of those guys have a legit shot at making it? I think you'll probably see one of Charlie Strangle, Ryan Leonard, Gavin Burnley on this team. I don't know which one it is. We'll kind of see how the camp plays out and who they pick. Uh, kind of from what I can saw at the camp, uh, it seems like Cutter, Goche, Logan Cooley, Jimmy Snuggeridge is, is the top line. Uh, Cooley is a late arrival to the camp, so they had Noah Laba skating in that spot. And I think Laba, actually, the fourth round pick by the Rangers, actually looked quite impressive at the camp for a yeah, for a fourth round pick, I, I kind of um, mess up how I was saying that, but he's a six-two right shot center. He skates well. He competes well. He was getting to the net a lot. I, I think there's a lot of traits there for a guy who can play a bottom six forward. So I think you're gonna it's gonna be Cutter Cooley Snug as a line. They saw Duke uh, Savage and Tyler Boucher as a pretty consistent line there. Um, I noticed that uh, Kenny Connors, Rutger McGrordy, and Jackson Blake was a consistent line. Um, I, I I can see if Lucius is healthy, I could see maybe Connors coming out of there and him plugging in that they didn't have their top two line centers there for most of the camp. Obviously, m- makes the lines a little inconsistent. Um, but so that and then I can see Laba and Connors being two thirds of a fourth line, and then from that point you have two open forward spots, and and we'll see where they fall. I doubt they would bring two draft eligibles there in in those kind of roles, but but we'll see. Um, what they end up deciding. Chris, we've talked on this show past couple of weeks about the potential for Team USA to bring a fairly small defense score height-wise to, to this event. 
Curious, does that inform at all how you think they will or you think they should put together this forward core uh, in terms of maybe the heaviness, the style of the forward core that Team USA wants to bring? Do you, if you, In other words, if you're small in the back end, do you try to make up for it a little bit by being a little tougher, a little meaner uh, up front? I, I think they're going to try to a little bit, but I, I think that they're going to continue to emphasize speed and pace and those types of things more overall. Um, but I know that the way that Rand Pecknold you know, the teams that he has had, they, there's a physical element to the way that they play. Um, and, you know, you're going to want to have a hard four check. You're going to want to have guys that are, that are, you know, that will play the body and be physical. Um, the problem is, is like, even, even up front, they just don't have a ton of that. And then you look at guys like Charlie Stremel, who would be one of the biggest forwards on the team, you know, kind of being on the bubble, but then there are guys like Lava, like, like Goche, um, you know, Snuggerud isn't, isn't massive, but he's, he's got some heaviness to him as well. Um, same with Rector McGordy. Like, so there's, there's, there's a lot of guys that regardless of the size, they, they have that, that kind of, um, tenacity and that, that, that ability to get it, get on pucks. Um, that's, that's going to be the biggest thing. They want to be an attacking team. So I think, you know, the back end being smaller, that's just that, I, I think that just says, Hey, we need to be fast. We need to be really fast. We need to be hard to contain. Um, it's going to be on the D to get the puck up to the forwards quickly. It's going to be on the forwards that forecheck really well, put pressure on the defense so that they can't get going the other way. Um, but you know, I think this is a team that's going to have a lot of flow to it, a lot of uh, a lot of um, uh, you know speed, and then you know the transition game will become very important for them as well. So you know, I I, I think that you know based on kind of the, the the lines as they're constructed, and you know, I, I think they have enough physicality in the group. I don't think they'll go heavy on, on size. They just don't have that many options really um, in the end. But at, at the same time, um, you know, I think that they, they always emphasize the, the speed of the team over everything. And that's why, you, you know, we saw guys like Sasha pass the job, not make it. Um, you know, they wanted to have a, a pace, be a, be a hallmark of this team. Corey, a little conversation we were having as we watched uh, the practice that, that we went to, uh, where do you think the goals beyond this expected top line of, of Gautier, Cooley, and Snuggerud? Who's Team USA going to rely on for, for offense here? I mean, obviously, McGrory's a player who uh, who can certainly put the puck in the net. He is going to be one of the younger players still, though, for Team USA. And who do, who are you looking at as kind of the go-to scorers for this American team beyond that obvious top line? Well, we mentioned him earlier in the show, but with Smith gone, I think – Jackson Blake, who was the third third round pick by Carolina, I think this is a guy who might actually be asked to play a scoring role on this team. Uh, not the biggest or the fastest guy, but a super skilled uh, winger. He's, he competes really well. He's looked really good in North Dakota this season. So I can see that guy being asked to be, you know, to play a significant role. And and should he be healthy, they need Chaz Lucius to be at the top of his game. They need that guy to be the guy they saw with the program when he was healthy and going, when he could be that kind of, you know, legit goal scoring threat, uh, a guy who could, you know, be a, you know, drive the play, you know, make high end skilled plays really consistently, do really well in the interior parts of the ice. You know, he's been hurt a lot the last three years. Uh, you, know, you know, he's not the fastest guy too. So, you know, there's, his development has not you know, maybe gone the best as you probably envisioned over the last two seasons, but he probably, after Cooley, he might be the most purely skilled player on this team. And so they need him to be healthy and to be going well. And if he's not, it's going to be hard to envision this team, you know, getting past the team Canada. 
Yeah, I agree with that too. Because I, I mean, I, I think Blake was a guy that they had high high expectations for coming into the camp, and and now he's you know, I, I you guys were there, I I wasn't, but you know that's what we're seeing is that you know he's he's at least delivering on that so far. Um, but yeah, but you know, I think that they they also will will look. Dylan Duke is a is a good goal scorer. I mean, he's not you know he's he's not going to get the minutes of the other guys, but he's a guy that's really good at the net front. He's 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 had a good a really good season at Michigan this year. Um, you know, so he is he is a goal scorer. Um, in not the not necessarily the traditional sense of the outside shooter. He's he's a guy that gets a, gets the job done around the net. Um, you know, McGordy, who you mentioned, I think they're going to really need him to to bring that goal scoring. Uh, elements of his game he's got a tremendous shot he's he's looked really good at Michigan um you know you will see him him quite a bit but you know I think that they are going to lean very heavily on that top line they're going to lean um you know that they're going to play they're going to be the guys out there in the late game situation they're going to be the guys that are in the you know in the power play mix and they're also going to be you know basically just you know hey we 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 need you we need you going and the thing is is that a lot of teams are going to know that coming in they're going to try to shut them down they're going to be a hard group to shut down, but you know, I mean that that's it. But yeah, as Corey said, I mean, Chaz Lucius, the reason that I thought, you know, Will Smith was, was almost a lock for this team is because without Chaz Lucius, you start losing some of that dynamic element um, in the bottom of your lineup and, or in the next, the next stage of your lineup after your top line. Um, So that's, that's the thing that, that we're going to have to see. And, and, you know, you don't, you, you can manufacture goals in a variety of ways. And I, I think the U.S. is going to be expecting their blue line to be a part of the scoring as well. You know, having guys like Luke Hughes, Lane Hudson's got seven goals already this season. You know, th- those are guys that they're going to want to make sure that are engaged offensively. Right. And that's the, the, a great point. And, you know, when I saw them say, we mentioned, you know, the size of the blue line, whether they'll have be able to be a good defend, a defending blue line. But on the other hand of it, they should have be getting a lot of offense from their blue line. Uh, and that's going to be really important for Team USA because that's where a big part of the skill in this lineup is. Uh, when we saw, like, you know, say their power play rotations, there were four defensemen being used in their power play rotations. Luke Hughes, Lane Hudson, Sean Behrens, and Ryan Upko. You could argue other players like the Shavis Casey could be in, in that mix or even, or even others. There's a lot of skill and scoring ability on that blue line. And they're going to need their defensemen to be activating, to be getting into the rush, to be trying to score goals as well. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. All right, guys, let's get in and out of Team Canada. And we're coming off a conversation about Team USA, about where the secondary offense comes from. I don't think we're going to need to have that conversation so much about Team Canada. (laughs) I think, you know, as always, a a very talented group here. 
Uh, and it starts with a couple of players who we expect to go off the board uh, really early uh, in 2023. Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli both make this team, both look like based on the Lions team, Canada has been skating at practice, like they could play prominent roles. And oh, by the way, you've got Shane Wright, you've got Dylan Genther, uh, you got Brennan Othman, Logan Stankovan rounding out what we think could be a rough approximation of, of Team Canada's top six. Uh, there's some offense here. Just a little. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, looking at um, the lines as they've been kind of constructed, it just, you know, I think there's good balance. There's good size on each line. There's, you know, they have they have scoring in bunches. Um, you know, I mean, on paper, every single, almost every single year, Canada is always going to have one of the most intriguing and, and, and higher scoring forward groups. It just, it's just the way it is. It's the way that they have the deepest player pool to pick from. And, and that's how it goes. And that's why, you know, when you see different cuts and different things, you're just like, you just have to understand it is a really, really, really hard team to make. Um, and, you know, looking at the roster and I know like, I'll be interested to hear um, uh, Corey as well. I mean, really, they do have four lines with with players that can score goals. Um, you know, it's not just it's just not not they don't have to rely completely on the top six. The fact that you can you know put out Bedard and Fantilli on the wings, um, and then you know have some of your more veteran players down the middle uh, with you know with Shane Wright, Logan Stankoven, uh, you know having uh, uh, Gaucher, who is a returning player and you know plays that heavier style but still has that ability to score. I think this is going to be a team that that is, you know, maybe they don't set the goals record because they're in the tougher of the two uh, brackets, but at the same time, they're going to be scoring an awful lot. That third line of me is interesting with Gaucher between Dean and mm-hmm. Wah, because I'm not sure that is like what you think of. Like, I don't think it's like a high-end offensive line there, even though you guys know I'm, I I really like Nathan Gaucher as, as a prospect and, and Josh Wah obviously scored a lot in the queue. Dean is probably not like a huge score, more of like a speed and compete type with like with a, with a little bit of skill. So that is an interesting third line, and you kind of look towards some of the cuts that they make, and you and you ask, you know, could they have brought maybe a little bit more skill for that third line, or are they really happy? It seems when I was talking to the scouts uh, who were at the camp, they seemed to think that Canada was going to emphasize a lot of heaviness and two way play mm-hmm. in that bottom six, and you kind of see that with with Dean, with Nathan Gaucher, Zach Ostachuk. Uh, Reed Schaefer, uh, Colton Dock, all in the in those bottom parts of the lineup. Um, you know, not, neither of us were there, but again, I talked to several, quite a few people who who were there, um, and that and that seems to be the takeaway there. We mentioned Adam Fantilli earlier, and I think Fantilli, particularly in that first U Sport game, was was the standout of that game. If there was any question at all that he needed to make the team, he answered that in in a significant way, being you know the best player in one of the two games and scoring a highlight real goal and showing a unique combination of size, skating, and and skill that makes him such a unique pro prospect, but also could be a very good player at the junior level. Um, and it doesn't surprise me to see him in the top six. I think he's a guy that could make an impact for this team, Canada. Always interesting to see which players come up just on the wrong end of this. Chris, as you mentioned, it, it's a tough team to make. And so there's no shame in not making Team Canada. Um, but one that jumps out, Corey, is a guy who was on this roster in the summer on the blue line, and that's Carson Lambos. Usually you will see a returner back in the fold. Um, he only played in one game for Team Canada at the summer event. But why didn't he make this team? So there were some mixed opinions on Lambos, both during his actual season and in the camp. Talking to the scouts at the camp, they just said he had a tough he had a tough week. 
you know, he was his puck movement was wasn't really solid, and we'll give he's like a you know six oh six one defenseman. If there's questions on whether he can be a reliable puck mover, they were going to lean toward the size like Nature and and Tyson Hines, which is what which is what they did. When I've watched him in Winnipeg, I thought he's looked really good. Um, I've seen some some excellent games where I think he's mobile, physical, contributing with with some skill. And I've talked about talked to some scouts who watch him in Winnipeg who say of late he's kind of struggled a little bit too. So I think that's the background in which this cut comes from. Um, and, and even though he Lambos was on the team, he didn't, he wasn't really like on the team team. He was often a healthy scratch. He, you know, he wasn't really part of the rotation, both when he was on the team in December and in the team in the summer. He didn't really play. So, so, but I, by, yes, usually if you make the team as an 18 year old, you're on the team in a more prominent role in an, as a 19 year old. So that was interesting. Chris, another one of the guys who who doesn't ultimately make this roster, high high pick, Zach Bolduc. Uh, where do you think he kind of missed the mark on on this team, or what or what what didn't he bring that they were looking for? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you know, I I thought he was a, a real good candidate for the roster. I mean, he's he's been scoring, he's been doing everything that he's supposed to be doing as that player. But I I think you know when you have other guys like Fantilli come in and you know he can bring up that element in a much better way and if you're saying okay well if Bolduc's not going to be part of our top 6 is he really you know does he fit in that third line situation does he fit in that fourth line and I don't think he does um and I think that's you know we talk a lot about you know you look at the you look at the roster as a whole and what when players are typically competing for one or two spots against you know somebody else and you know, I, I think you know going into the camp. I don't know that it was necessarily a, a, a lock that that Fantilli was you know going to be part of that top six, and he put himself in there with his play. So I think that nudges guys like Zach Bolduc out. And again, I mean, it, it's just such a hard team to make. Um, and I don't know if Corey has any additional insight into how his camp went, but you know, I, I think that you know right now it's just you know you look at the roster and you're like I, I can't argue with who's there. You know, it's hard for me to make an argument for anybody that isn't there right now. You know, like it's just because the the, the roster looks right. It, it, they, they obviously went with size and, and heaviness, and, as Corey mentioned. And, you know, just going back to Lambos, too. I mean, he would have been you look at the defense core. It's one five foot ten Olin Zellweger who, who will play a ton last year. And then the everybody else. Is six two. Yeah, every and yeah. And every everybody else is six foot two or taller. And it's like the complete opposite of USA's blue line. Um, I think going into the camp where you see Fantilli slotted in the second line left wing and we see Josh Wasslot in the third line right wing, I think those were the most competitive spots. Uh, even though I think Josh Wah and Fantilli had the inside edge, Fantilli just because due to his pure talent and Wah is a returning member, his, his coach is on the staff, he's played very well in the queue, but I think you were kind of seeing them jostle with, with Zach Bolduc, with Jordan Dume in Halifax, with Ryan Green. At BU, I think those were kind of the spots that were up for grabs a little bit, and and both Fantilli and Wall, you know, did their jobs in the camp. Wall, you know, got got his goals. People I talked to that didn't say he was really driving at even strength, but but that's what he is. He's a goal scorer. He's guys going to help your power play, and they know what they they have have in that player. Uh, Bull Duke, from what I heard, again, people, you know, they spot they, they point to the skating, they point to the skill. Those are obvious attributes. Is why he went seventeenth overall. Um, I think the thing with Bull Duke is. The scouts who both from seeing him at the camp and knowing him will point that just his effort can be a little inconsistent at times, and that you know again, when you're when you're trying to make that team, you know they. I heard that Jordan Dume outplayed him at that camp. To be to be quite honest, I think he was closer to making that team than Bolduc was. 
I also think even him, I think Ryan Green might have even been closer to making that team than Bolduc was. I think Ryan Green really, he's got, he scored like two of Canada's three goals in, in that last U Sports game. And we've talked about this guy as a riser in the, in the previous episode. I don't know if he was actually ever going to be on this team, but I think he did everything he could to force them to really think about putting him on this team. I mean, he came in as an offensive guy and he scored and I don't know what more he really could have done other than somebody gets hurt or somebody really underwhelms you. Like maybe Fantilli just comes in and just doesn't do what you think he's going to do essentially. Um, but uh, I think those were kind of the dynamics that led to the Bolduc cut. And I know people were talking about Jordan Dume getting cut. Um, you know, guys tearing up the QMJHL right now over, over two points per game. Although I think you're kind of seeing a, a maybe a trend here that there might be something in the water in the queue right now where you look at, say, the, the numbers Bull Duke has, you look at the numbers Dumay has. Um, it may not always be 100% predictive of how it's going to go outside of the queue. The queue right now is kind of a unique scoring environment, and I would be interested to see some research into something like that where it doesn't feel like those leagues, numbers representative of, of how people in the NHL actually feel about the players. Um kind of a tangent I just went on there, but but that's kind of the content yeah. of the bull two cut. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well one of the names that, that did jump out at me that did make it that I, I probably wasn't as familiar with as I should have been, wasn't on my radar for this team necessarily, but he ultimately makes it is Caden Bankier, the, the Wilds 2021 third round pick. Where did he kind of come from to to make this run at this team and, and ultimately make the team, Corey? Yeah, so he was kind of a guy that that rose during his draft season. You know, he was, I think, roughly a point-per-game guy on a good Kamloops team. Good size forward, good skill, good hockey sense. Um, skating was never that big a selling point. But again, just kind of a guy who just steadily rose. Didn't have the greatest year after his draft season, but right now he's, he's been off to a really, last few months, been off to, uh, to a really uh, strong start to the season. Scoring a lot of goals, brings the size, brings some skill. Maybe not this amazing two-way player, but but good enough. And, you know, that's why he's slotted currently as a fourth-line center. Definitely seems like a guy whose stock is maybe not skyrocketing, but is on a slight upward trajectory. And, you know, he was a guy who was on the bubble, and he scored in both of the games, uh, the U-Sports games, uh, scoring goals, I be- a goal and an assist, I believe, in the first game. And he got – he was the primary assist on the two Ryan Green goals in the second game. So, I mean, he was a guy who – Probably wasn't in the initial projected 12, but then he kind of forced his way in there with a good camp. One fan base who I think is probably going to want to pay quite close attention to this Canadian team, Chris, is the Chicago Blackhawks fan base. And in particular, I think you could pretty much just watch any given shift uh, from from the Canadian blue line. And, and the Blackhawks are going to have a prospect worth watching there. Ethan Del Mastro makes the team. Nolan Allen makes the team. Kevin Korczynski makes the team. We just read off the potential left side for Team Canada. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, the Blackhawks are, are certainly really excited that that's, that's how that shook out. I mean, it's not a huge surprise either. Um, you know, I think that a lot of these, Del Mastro in particular, has, has just really, his, his game, I think, has taken off in a way that, you know, certainly even surprised me. Um, you know, I, I think that he's been, uh, he, he can do so many different things for you. Um, and, and I mean, just, you know, having size, having the ability to defend, um, and then, you know, being able to produce the points as well, in, in which he's been close to a point per game this season. Um, you know, that's certainly, he's taken his game to, to another level. 
Uh, meanwhile, you get a guy like Nolan Allen, he's going to be that heavier, you know, more physical presence uh, on the back end. He doesn't necessarily have the points, but clearly um, Canada wanted to have that element on their team. They wanted to have a guy that, you know, that, that was going to be uh, difficult to play against, give you a little extra thoughts uh, in the corners. He's going to be tough to forecheck against just because he's such a big guy. Um, and he's got that strength uh, strength element to him as well. Um, and then Korchinski, you know, being the number one prospect pretty much for that for that franchise at the moment, um, you know, he's done everything he had to do, which was be a, a high-end scorer, a guy that can move pucks extremely well, um, that's going to make plays, can be, you know, potentially be on the power play. It's tough to get on the power play at, at this with this team. Um, but, you know, I think he's he's a real solid puck mover. And, um, you know, the, the, as, as Corey mentioned, even, you know, you up front, you had Ryan Greed nearly make it. You, you know, you've had uh, uh, Colton Doc, you know, playing playing really well um, and getting, you know, earning his spot on this team. So, you know, it, it's dark times for the Blackhawks at the NHL level right now. But these are kind of the fruits of the uh, the rebuilding process kind of on display. You know, the, all these guys still have a ways to go before they can be, you know, NHL players. But, you know, these are those kind of like benchmark events where you say, okay, well, now we're seeing kind of some progress. We're seeing where these guys go. And to have those guys have an opportunity, as big of an opportunity as they do with Team Canada, um, you know, that that says quite a bit about where they're at presently. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, if you're a Blackhawks fan, it hopefully tells you a little bit about where they're going. But I think, yeah, that you know seeing all three of those guys make the blue line um not real not really surprising we'll see the order that they're in you know allen has been playing in the top four um which you know he's not a, a big time puck mover he's more of the physical guy so uh yeah so we will have to wait and see i think it's going to be very uh very fascinating to see uh how, how that all shakes out in terms of order and, and usage but um yeah that, that blue line is uh definitely uh you know, the, the red, white, and black, are, are the, mm-hmm. the, those guys should be used to wearing that by the time they get to Chicago. Well, it was interesting talking to the scouts at the campus. They, say, they said Korczynski kind of struggled a little bit there, or at least mm. wasn't, wasn't playing at the top of his game. So that felt like more of a deference to the toolkit and, and what he had done in you know this year in junior hockey, where he's been arguably one of the best defensemen in the CHL this season. Again, you know, 6'2 guy with that kind of skating and skill. And mm-hmm. I think you look at the way they're making that blue line, it seems like they're Putting an offensive guy and a defensive guy on each of the three pairs, Delmasio with Zellweger, Allen with Brand Clark, and now Korchinski with either Jack Machier or, or, or Tyson Hines. And you mentioned Colton Dock, and I could see that he's going to be the 13 4 to start, but I think he has enough skill in his game to go with the size and the skating. Where if there's somebody who's not going in the top nine, maybe it's Zach Dean, maybe it's Josh Watt, maybe it's Fantilli, maybe it's somebody else, you know, he's a guy I could see plug up higher in the lineup. Uh, if, if that's how things break down during the tournament. All right, before we get to the mailbag, I wanted to get a quick thought from you both on uh, on the goaltending situation. We, we, we touched on a little bit last episode. In the end, it is Benjamin Gaudreau and Thomas Millick for Team Canada. Uh, any surprises here, Corey? Is this about what you expected? It's about what I expected, and they're going to need to score a lot of goals. <laughs> he's he's not wrong. I mean, you know, uh, Milik has had a has had a good season, but I mean he's in a tandem situation in Seattle, and then you've got Gaudreau who's not having a good season. Um, he did have, you know, he was the goalie for the under eighteen World Championship, and very that talented. Feels like a Mil- yeah, yeah, absolutely. He has the tools, like he has the tools. But you know, I think that if Canada, you know, we've we've talked about Canada's goaltending in the past and 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 being an issue, um, and that 
kind of continues, I think that they probably have enough to not worry about it a ton. But at the same time, um, you know, these games can go a certain way if you if you don't get the saves. So, um, yeah, but it, yeah, not not a real surprise to see who ended up making the final roster. But again, it, you know, you didn't necessarily have the strongest group to pick from. It is interesting. This World Junior Tournament, it doesn't feel like there is that one obvious goalie who could carry the, the load for their team on a long run. Uh, maybe that makes it a little easier for for Canada. And, and certainly also you could say the same thing about the U.S. to survive a year where they, they don't have that, you know, top end prospect in, in the crease. Oh, yeah. I mean, neither Canada or USA or Sweden or even Finland, for that matter, are walking in there with a with a goalie they feel super confident about right now so it's it'll be really interesting to see which one of these guys ultimately does step up and becomes an impactful goalie in the tournament even if we don't think they have they're these guys who whether due to size or just lack of athleticism we think are great pro prospects somebody will be a really good junior goalie in this tournament It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, gentlemen, let's get into the mailbag. Some fun questions today, including a really good one to start off with from Nabil Raymond, who says, a major reason why many don't have Andrew Crystal higher in the rankings, even with his torrid Western Hockey League scoring pace, is his skating. Is it that poor that it could keep him out of the top 15, even having one of the best WHL draft seasons in recent memory? Right before we started recording, we were looking at this, and, and it, we were thinking, can it really be one of the best draft seasons in recent memory, given Connor Bedard is having a better one right now? But honestly, yes, it still is one of the better draft-eligible seasons in recent memory production-wise uh, in, in recent years. So, Corey, I guess we'll start with you here. Is Crystal skating really going to keep him out of, of the territory that usually comes with a season like that? I think it could. It's, 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 it's the choppy skating kind of combined with the 5'9", 5'10", frame and being a winger. Now, I have talked to people in the league who, who are believers in this guy who just see like a high-end skill high-end offensive sense all the scoring ability a guy who can score both on from the perimeter and the interior and think he could be a top 20 top 15 candidate but i have also talked to several uh people in the league who would not take him in the first round who just are just too scared off they think you know this is the next you know you can go through a long list of guys who were tiny and and, and wonky skaters and just and never made it you know, in that league, you know, you, you kind of go back to maybe Jordan Wheel, you go back to Brian Cozen, you go back to a c- couple other candidates like that. Um, and they just kind of think that's the next one that kind of looks like that. I'm kind of in the middle. I think he's a very good player. I think this is a guy who could be like a middle six winger in the league. Uh, would I be shocked if he just 
you know, was an in and out of the lineup type, plays 100 games, 150 games, and just doesn't have a long career, I wouldn't be shocked by that. Because it's like, it, you know, the skating kind of reminds me of, you know, in recent drafts, you know, Bobby Brink a little bit, Francesco Pinelli a little bit, guys who both ended up going in the second round, even though he's producing, I would say, more offense, even than Brink did at the same age. So that's why I think maybe he does end up sneaking into, into the first um, but I, I would, my bet now is he does not go top 15, even though I do know there's a good argument he could. And I know people in the league who would support him going in that range. Yeah. And just to, to further the point on the, on the production, you look at, you know, draft eligible skaters in, um, in the WHL, uh, over the last, you know, 20 plus years, um, it's Connor Bedard with 2.29 points per game this season, and then Crystal with 1.89, and then the next guys are like Sam Reinhardt. But then there's a really good example at number four of a guy that kind of stayed between, and that's Nick Batan, um, who in his draft eligible season was was produced at a fairly similar rate. Um, you know, and and yeah, so I mean, like it just kind of goes to show you that they're the points are absolutely important. They help they help you make a determination on a player, but at the same time, it, you can't base it all on that because you do have to, you know, the projection is going to end up coming more from the skill and from the, what are, what, you know, the, the different elements. And as Corey mentioned, the size, it's the size plus the skating more than it is the, the, uh, you know, just the skating, you know, yeah. I think that that's the other thing, you know, it, it's harder, it's harder to cover that up when you don't have some other elements like, you know, really good puck protection, all these different things, you know, strength, um, you know, can you be more physical, like those types of things, it's just harder to, to make. So I still think he's a first round pick. Um, you know, he'll be a first round pick for, for me, uh, I assume, you know, for most of the season, but I completely get the argument that, that he may not be. Anyway, you know, when you're taking a five, nine, five, 10 winger in the first round, you have to be, especially if he's not a great skater, you have to be super confident in any offensive ability. And you got to believe this one is the guy that's going to be the exception to the rule. Um, and 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 we'll see whether that plays out or not. I you know I think when uh, when John Dolan was coming into the league after what he was doing in the SHL, sorry in the Osvenskin, I thought okay this guy's a wonky skater, not the biggest guy, but I thought oh he you know he this will be the this will be kind of the guy who even though he's kind of a weird looking skater, he just scores so much versus men, it's so much offense it's going to work, and then he's out of the league in a year. Yeah, just to kind of anticipate what the rebuttal is going to be here. There, there's going to be people who say, you know, Braden Point wasn't thought to be that good of a skater in his draft. But he year. is now. He is now. And he, the question is, do you want to bet on being able to replicate that kind of trans- transformation that the Tampa was able to pull with Braden Point? I, I suspect that for most teams, the answer is going to be maybe not that early. Yeah, I hate that argument. Like, I, I, I hear it from not, not just because not you said that, Max. I hear it often. Like... Like I, in my experience, ninety-five percent of the guys who are bad skaters when they're seventeen years old are bad skaters when they're twenty-five years old. That I mean, we've heard really- it about how many guys we've had it asked on this show about how many guys in the just the time we've been recording it, it already in like the last like you know two three drafts alone we've had five next Braden points and I don't know <laughs> that any of them have made that kind of leap yet. Is that I mean fair? Oh yeah, yeah I mean. Um- you're gonna even have it in like you know in, in this draft too with like the small center stuff. Like you're gonna have we're gonna have this debate about whether uh, I think I was having a debate with a guy who's a Western League scout. I, I was asking you know how many I asked him do you think Bedard and Jaeger are going to be NHL centers? And he said yes, they're top two on NHL centers. 
And I'm like, well, there's like four guys in the league who are 5'11 centers are smaller. And, and you're telling me we're going to get two from this draft year. And like, you know, that, that's just odds are that's not going to happen. Just like odds are your favorite small guy is not the next brain point. All right. Uh, Nam to Nam with another good one. Uh, miss about another small ish, although not as small, uh, centers. Uh, compare and contrast Logan Cooley with Will Smith. How are they similar? How are they different? And what do you see in each of their respective futures? Finally, rank them. Wow. Um, yeah, that's that's a good one. I, I think that uh, for me, you know, the, the biggest thing, like Cooley's got a, you know, kind of an explosive skating ability. He's got, you know, he's got the ability to separate. There's some tenacity in his game. I think he's a little bit more aggressive off the puck um at this point and, and was last year too but you know high high-end skill you know the thing for me with with will smith is i just think he's got a, a tremendously dynamic element um you know he is a kind of a a, a lanky a, a lanky um uh, center where you know he's he's still kind of growing into his body a little bit he's got the size factor um over cooley um you know and i think for for will too like it's just he there's there are questions about him whether or not he's going to be a center i think he's a center i I think Corey thinks he's a center too um but i know that there's there's scouts out there that are having that debate is he a winger is he a center um you know he's about six foot you know and 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 he's a little bit on the lighter side at the moment but that's something that will probably change over time um you know i i think that uh if I were to rank him, I would still have Cooley ahead of, of Smith at this point. Um, but I think that Will has closed the gap. You look at the numbers that he's put up the NTDP this year. Um, you know, he's, he's had one of the better scoring seasons out producing, uh, what Cooley did in his draft eligible season. So it's, it's, it's reasonable to think that there's, uh, you know, that there's, there's something, something there with him that, that he can be a, a top tier player in this draft class. Um, but I still would, uh, I would still go with Cooley. I had Cooley first in last year's draft. Um, you know, I, I, I still, I still feel very strongly about the player. Uh, I think offensively, like in terms of the pure skill IQ, I think their scoring ability, I think they're pretty similar in terms of their, their, yeah. their pure, their overall offensive skill. I think Cooley's a little bit better of a skater and I think he's a little bit more competitive but there is a little bit of a size differential there. Cool is closer to 5'10. Smith's closer to 6'0. Um, I think with Smith, the question is like, yeah, part of this goes to the center versus wing, is I've heard some people question whether this the, the competes high end enough. Yeah. Uh, I personally have liked it when I've watched him, but I've heard that from enough people to where I think it's like an at least an open question whether he can be a center in the NHL, if he can be like a really two way type of guy. I think he is, and I am not really concerned about concerned about that. In terms of who's better, I think it's a coin flip right now, to be quite honest. And I think part of that is Cooley, part of that I don't think Cooley's had the biggest first half to where I think at the start of the year I would have edged Cooley, but I think it's been and I love both players. I think you know that Smith could be the top five pick candidate for me. You know, I, I think I think it's I think it's a coin flip right now, to be quite honest. Jack Manning wants to know about some of the uh, undrafted uh, college players this year. He says, are Ryan McAllister, TJ Hughes, and Colin Graff as legit as their NCAA numbers would suggest, Chris? Um, yeah, you know, I think Ryan McAllister and TJ Hughes, they were teammates for for the Brooks Bandits last year um, in the AJHL, and they had ridiculous numbers, just absolutely ridiculous numbers. Like McAllister's scoring was one of the best seasons in that league's history. And that includes like going back to the 1980s and 
Um, and the thing about him is he, he's he's a really smart player. He he understands how he needs to play. He's he's scoring. You know, he's leading the NCAA in scoring right now as a freshman. And he's a twenty year old freshman, so it's not like it's uh, um, necessarily the uh, uh, you know like he he's he's not a true freshman where like some of these other guys. Um, I just recently saw TJ Hughes. Um, I think that he's absolutely kind of on that track to be a, to be a free agent signing. I think both of them are, um, graph. I have, I've seen less, but it, you know, like the numbers are, are good. I don't necessarily like I, from what I have seen, I haven't necessarily seen like a guy that jumps out at you as, a, as, as, as a guy that'll be lining up to sign. Um, and and that's actually true of all these guys. Like I don't think there's going to be like long lines to sign these players, but it's going to they will get contracts. And I think that McAllister in particular now has years to and, and Hughes have these years to kind of prove what they're doing. Like TJ Hughes is centering the second line for 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 Michigan um, this year, and he is dry. He, he can be a play driver. Um, and then you've also got McAllister who is just dictating everything offensively for his team. Western Michigan as a whole is scoring at a pretty high level. They, they can't stop goals at the moment. That's their their issue at, at, at this point. They score a lot, but they, they're just not stopping a lot. So, um, but I, I do think that McAllister and Hughes, given the track record in junior, you all, when, whenever you look at these these uh, these college free agents, a lot of them do have that track record that predates their college time. It's not like they just kind of came out of nowhere. It's just that they needed to prove it at a higher level. And those guys are doing it at a higher level. So I, I would say that, that you know, you're going to see like Graph, I think all, all three of them potentially could, could sign contracts. I feel a lot more confidently about TJ Hughes and, and certainly Ryan McAllister as well. And if you can lead the nation in scoring this early, um, you're going to get you're going to get a lot of looks and a lot of time. Corey, Patrick McConnell wants to know who is the more valuable player on the Ottawa Senators, Tim Stutzler or Jake Sanderson? Can you see them becoming star 1C and 1D? I mean, I can see yes to both of those questions. I'm not saying they are going to, but I think both have, you know, realistic paths to get there. Um, for me, between the two of them, I would lean towards Stutzla, but it's close, I would say. I think they're both impactful players, both excellent skaters. Uh, both have offense. Stutzla's offense being on, on another level, both being highly competitive players. I just think Stutzla's... I just think, well, Sanderson's an amazing skater. I think Stutzel's skating is even more dynamic and, and to go with the high-end offense. Um, and he just has, It's a unique combination of assets that, that he has. And uh, I, that would be the way I would lean, but it's really close. And um, other than, you know, one a couple other teams, not a whole lot of organizations could say they have those kind of impactful young players, more than one in any ways. They come from the same draft class. I mean, Chris, would I be insane to say that in a redraft they could both go in the top three? They could go top. No, two. not it. Yeah, I mean, they could be the top two picks. Like honestly, yeah, it's 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 uh and and yeah, I mean, I think that you look at what Jake Sanderson's already done as a as a rookie, and I, I mean, the sky's the limit for him. I mean, he's just a really impressive player. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I actually might go the like lean Sanderson in terms of the more impactful, he's going to play more minutes. He's going to be on, you know, that your PK, your played power play already, you know, like there, so he, he's going to impact the game in a variety of ways, but at the same time, when you have somebody as a dynamic and, and, and as skilled as Tim Stutzla, you know, he can change the game for you on a, on a, on a shift by shift basis, um, a, a little differently. So. But I think it's good. Like, if that's the debate that we're having, what a great debate to have if you're an Ottawa Senators fan, because 
in the end, you got both of them. So who cares who's more valuable? You got both of them. So it's just, it's, it's amazing to see, uh, you know, where they're at and how that draft is going to set them up long term. Similar debate. Would you do cousins or power? Uh, power. It was, I would was go it? power too. It's close for me though. I, I might lean cousins based on the year he's having right now, but it's really he's close. He's having a great year. He's definitely yeah. having a great year. No question. Uh, Corey, Mike wants to know, are there any undrafted 19-year-olds having a breakout season? We're looking for, for the next guy uh, who, who's going to maybe come off, off the radar here as someone who's not the, the under-18 class and then uh, you know be picked in the top couple rounds. Probably the one guy in the CHL that comes to mind would be like a Spencer Sova, who's having like a pretty productive year with Erie. A lot of goals, a lot of offense, good skater. Didn't went undrafted last year. Mild surprise went undrafted. I think he'll get drafted uh, this season. Uh, I think Chris will probably know the USHL guy where, where you see more of that tend to happen because because guys have the college runway of four years. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's. There are some there are some teams that have kind of talked about making that part of their their late round strategy as well, and, and you know they still go off their list, but they they're looking at those guys. They're they're listing some of these guys that are you know second third year eligible players in that range, and particularly the guys that are on the college track because they figure hey maybe we'll we'd have to sign them as a free agent down the road. Um, but a couple guys in the USHL to keep an eye on: Cole Knubel, not a big guy, but he's having a big scoring season for Fargo. Um, you know, he's Mike Knubel's son. He's got the NHL bloodlines. Uh, you know, I thought that he was potentially going to be a late round pick last year. Didn't happen. Um, but I think he's going to have an opportunity to go this year. Um, just with the season that he's having, he's currently at the world junior eight challenge. And another guy that got off to a really hot start, but their team is struggling. So it's, it's harder to say, but Sam Harris, he, he's a guy that I think a lot of, uh, scouts have kind of keyed in on just to, with the hot start that he had for Sioux Falls. Um, he's tailed off a little bit, um, but those are those are the kind of players that that I think a lot of teams are are looking at at the present. And um, you know, they're you put up big numbers, you continue to have a track record. It gives you another year of of, of data for for these players, and so you you know you can make a more educated decision on them. And I think that those are two guys that potentially have a chance to to get drafted now. Do you think Michael Emerson from the Steel could be picked? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's another one. That's another one. Yeah, because I mean, like the the Steel, they're just dominating everybody uh offensively at least um you know they're not they're not necessarily winning as uh as, as frequently as they have in the past but but that that whole group there is i mean they've, they've got a lot of players that are you know didn't get drafted or are draft eligible and yeah, i think emerson's one of those guys for sure are we talking kind of rounds two to four three to five as we're talking about these names probably later Probably later. And I think that a lot of it's, yeah, I mean, I think most it's, it's, you know, you get it, sometimes you'll get like a Brett Leeson or somebody like that that kind of pops into the, the second, you know, second year eligible that, that is a high second round pick, but it doesn't happen a ton. Um, so yeah, so I would say, I'd say most of the guys that we're talking about, we're, we're talking late mid, you know, late to mid rounds or mid to late rounds. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Chris wants to know about William Wallander. Does he have top four upside? He's looking for good news or tough love with, with Dylan Larkin injured right now for the Red Wings, Corey. I think the answer is yes, and I've been critical of this player for the last year. Not critical, but me, I wasn't like, I think this guy's top four. I think my my writing, Max, probably will call probably more detail. I've, I've probably said he's like a third-pair guy with like a chance to be better, but I think now you're starting to kind of see that better. I think this is a guy who's looked excellent in the SHL, one of the best players on, on Rogel, even though Rogel's struggling a little bit this season. Uh, again, big mobile offenseman, showing skill, showing playmaking ability this season. I don't think this is a guy who's ever going to be high end, 
anything in the NHL. I don't think he's a high-end offensive player. I don't think he's even a high-end defender, even though he has that size and mobility. You know, his physicality is just okay. Um, but there's a lot here that makes you excited about his pro projection. And I think this is a guy that is trending towards being a second pair defenseman. And frankly, I think they've got two guys this year who are playing at that level. I think you really like the way Wallinder is playing. And I think you got to really like the way Shy Boyum is playing at Denver right now. I think those are, you know, uh, there's there's a couple of guys, you know, we've mentioned Major before on this podcast. There's a couple of really Detroit prospects um, who are having, you know, pretty good seasons, which, you know, I know when you've been covering the big team that Raymond and Sider haven't been having, like, the, the okay. biggest seasons right now. But, they, you know, there's there's some guys coming there that, you know, you know those guys are going to turn around and there's some there's some good young players coming too. So I think you're still optimistic about the state of the Red Wings um, young players right now. And it's yeah, got to be no one question. of the first times, Chris, that when I've offered Corey a chance to dole out tough love, he instead chose to be the comforting hand on, on the back of, of the fan. I'll do it. I don't <laughs> oh, think he's a top four. There you go. <laughs> there. No, yeah, I mean, no, I think Corey, Corey hit it. I mean, this is definitely a player that's trending up, no question. I think the big thing for Wallinder, though, if he's going to play in the NHL, he's got to get tougher. He just does. I mean, that, that, that was the knock on him when he was with the Swedish team that, you know, they, they didn't, they, they felt like they couldn't really rely on him in some of those harder situations. And now this year with a bigger opportunity in Rogla, he's showing a little bit more of that. But I, I think as he gets stronger and maybe more confident in himself, he might, he might get there. But, you know, just being, being tougher to play against defensively, being harder on pucks, um, and, and just being, uh, you know, having that work ethic on top of, you know, the skill that he, clearly has had the whole time um those are the things that he needs to work on it took Corey's point i mean there has been a, an evolution al- already here like it's, it's yes. not just that Corey was down on he was left off of that world junior team last year until it had to get rescheduled for the summer so there has been <laughs> right. an, an evolution in his game it's not just an evolution of, of the evaluation correct correct all right uh next one is from jonathan p we'll go to you here chris do you see luke hughes getting a cup of coffee at the end of the season for the devils is he a full-time NHLer next season, or is he going to need some AHL seasoning first? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, I think that um, I think that he would, you know, in, in most situations. But you also have to look at, like, you know, will the Devils have a spot for him when uh, when the time comes? Because you know, obviously, they've, they've had such a tremendous season, and you know, you don't want to kind of mess with that a good thing. But it's always good to have another body, and I think that to come out. Once once his collegiate season is over, you know, and to have a chance to play play NHL games would be hugely valuable. It was hugely valuable for Quinn, um, who ended up, you know, taking that and, and running with it. And even if he's not, you know, even if Luke isn't going to be part of your plans in the playoffs and things like that, having him around the team, having him, you know, in the, in the mix, you know, we, we did see obviously uh, Kale McCarr come in and, and, and make make a pretty substantial impact for for Colorado right after his. Uh, season. I don't think that Luke is necessarily at that same uh, same level as Kale was at the end of his year. No, almost um, a full year younger too, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's that's a huge thing. And then you know, I think Luke still needs to work on some puck management things. He still needs to, you know, the, the intensity can wane every now and again. But it, but I think that um, he's still on track. Like you know, he's going to play a huge role at this World Juniors. Keep an eye on that. See how how big of an impact he's able to make there. He's played, you know, the numbers, even though the numbers have been slower this year at Michigan, I mean, he's impacted every game I've watched him play in, in, a, in a positive way, typically. So, you know, I, I think that he's he should he should at least get that like, you know, that look if as long as, the, you know, without disrupting what the Devils are doing at that, at that stage of the season. Um, as for next season, you know, I think that 
you know, with another year of building strength and another off season of, of time to prepare, I, I, you know, I think that he'll be on the roster. Yeah. The kind of the same thing. I think he's 50, 50 in the playoffs and I would guess he's a full-time guy next year. Yeah. All right. And then we're going to close with one from Ryan P who wants to know why most media members seem to assume Ryan Johnson and Eric Portillo won't sign with the Sabres said, I understand the right to choose your team in free agency, but why isn't that team Buffalo? I've heard neither say they won't sign with the Sabres, but it seems like the like a foregone conclusion they'll both read from what I've read, especially Portillo. Corey, do, I, do, you, uh, do you want to volunteer to, to start this one off? Well, I'm not ready to say, you know, I, I, we hear rumors all the time about these things. And sometimes I report these rumors and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I report these rumors and they end up being false. Um and the player ends up signing. Sometimes it's just the agent manipulating the media to, to get, get that stuff out, and you try to make sure you don't fall into that trap a little bit. Or and sometimes they actually do believe they're going to leave, and some and they just change their mind at the last second. Whenever they offered them NHL time, they weren't offering that before. It burns you off the contract. These these discussions can be a little convoluted sometimes in, in that regard. I'm not commenting on what I've heard with Johnson and Portillo because I, I probably I will as we get closer to the you know in, into. You know, further into the winter, when I do the college free agency piece, I probably will start do a little bit more digging and, and try to be confident about that. But uh, that's kind of the sense I've gotten. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, we'll see. I, I know Portillo and, and Johnson can both walk at the end of the year. Same thing uh, on. I think there's a little bit of monitoring of what Jackson Lacombe is going to be doing um, uh, on Minnesota too. Johnson Johnson's teammate, um, but we'll see. I mean, if I was in their position, Buffalo needs a goalie, but Buffalo also you know, has a really good young defenseman on their team too. So that would probably be the the, the factors that I would be balancing, especially the left side. I mean, it's power, Deli and Samuelson. I don't. If I'm Ryan Johnson, it's tough to see a path. I think that's right. where that like, one's coming. That that's and that's why the assumption. That's why there's such an assumption. There's not a spot for it. like. And I, all due respect to Eric Portillo, he's not better than Devin Levi. You know, like I, I mean, you know, like and that's so you're you're in this. You're in this, uh, um, you know, you're, you're in a system where the opportunity may not exist. And that's typically why players go. It's not because they don't, like, yeah. it's mean, certainly not because they don't like it, the Sabres. I mean, that's partly yeah. why Devin Levi is now a Buffalo Sabre because there was no path for him in Florida. Exa- yeah, exactly. So, you know, and that's, and that's the thing where, you know, you have to at least consider, you know, certainly you want to sign those guys. You want to have a deep goaltending pool. You want to have options. You want to have, you know, but, but again, like, yeah, for Ryan Johnson, who was a first round pick, you know, there's, uh, there is compensation if he doesn't sign, um, you know, so that that's helpful as well. But, um, but at the same time, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just think for both of those players, it's not, it's not because they don't like Buffalo. It's because there might not be a path forward for either of them there. Um, so yeah. I would fully expect both of them to explore their options. It doesn't mean that they won't sign with Buffalo, but I, I would fully expect them to, to see what else is out there. And, uh, you know, that's probably what they, you know, if I were in their position, I probably would be doing the same thing. I know. I'm not saying that's the reason. I have no idea what, what, what a reason would be for support on signing for or, or not signing with Buffalo with your Portillo. But I can't imagine Devin Levi is the reason. He's not, he hasn't played one NHL game yet. Like he's a, he was, a, you know, he's a kind well, of really I mean, good, he's, he's, he's yeah. a really good, he's a really good college goalie, but he hasn't proven yet as a pro. Like I don't think, I don't think that's a good reason. It's a great reason. I don't think it's a good reason. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, if you're, if there is a, if there is a less jammed goalie pool, 
then, sure. you know, cause it's, we're not, UPL is also in that goalie pool. Oh yeah. Come on. Come on. He hasn't been good as a pro though. Like if, if he was any good, they actually have him in the lineup every night reliably. <laughs> they need goals yeah. in Buffalo right now. All right. We'll see. We'll see. But it's like, but you're also, yeah, but you're also making the assumption that like Eric Portillo is like, like, no, I mean, no, I, he, I don't think he, he's a great he, prospect to be honest with you. No, he's, he's fighting it a little bit this year, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. he's, he's just, he's a big guy and there's some good athletic tools, but he's kind of looked not as, his stock was a really high point at going into the summer last year. And I wonder now if the interest will be as significant if he was on the market right now. Yeah. There are a lot of scouts watching him just to see, but yeah, but I mean, like he'll, he'll, he has tools. Like he's got all, he's got plenty of tools. He's got size. He's got, you know, he's got upside. There's a rawness to him, but yeah, I mean, I think you yeah. had a reasonable debate this time last year, whether Levi or Portillo was the better pro prospect. And I think, I don't think so. <laughs> I think, I think you could have, I still don't think so. <laughs> I, I I lean Levi, you know. I think Levi is, and I had it I had it that way in my Buffalo rankings in the summer, mind you. So don't, don't get don't don't get the uh, too harsh on me there, Christopher. But uh, I, <laughs> I, I I I think there's been a separation now after the first half for Philo Pet. All right, good stuff today, gentlemen, and to our listeners. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series. And follow us on YouTube at YouTube.com/slash at the Athletic Hockey Show. You can catch more of Chris over at Flow Hockey and his podcast, Talking Hockey Sense. Right now, you can also get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. We'll talk to you soon.